Welcome back to Hellbent for Metal, a podcast that, if you taste us, you will see, more is all you need. We're dedicated to how we're killing you, but only because we keep pointing out how your favourite band look like Leather Daddies, and your favourite songs sound like they're all about dicks. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what we're here for, right? Yeah. Pretty much. And what else we could do on a Monday? This is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, not like this. it's not like we're going anywhere. Let's just uh, talk about di- talk about how that song sounds like dicks. Although uh, we're not doing that today. Uh, also, I'd just like to say, most metal ever. It, obviously, I had to reference Master of Puppets because it's the first show we've done since that show. Oh yeah, which was I just I don't want to get into it too much because there's been enough bullshit about it. But I just thought that was fucking wonderful. It was just one of the most fuck yeah things I've ever seen on telly, <laughs> as particularly speaking as a metal fan. Um, also, this is music, sick. Yeah, so this is another thing that I have not seen. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those bits are so memed by this point. We're not exactly dropping spoilers, but I think I think oh, yeah. pretty much everyone knows about that thing in Stranger Things. Anyway, I loved that. I just. Oh. I'm going to stop gushing. Uh, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with Knotfest. And I managed to say that without screwing it up. Yay. Uh, I'm Tom Dare, and I'd just like to say thank you for bearing with us these last few weeks. Uh, I have a couple of physical health problems and somewhere between one and three numbers, still TBC, uh, things that affect my mental health. And due to one or more of those things, uh, I've been really not well at all. Um, hopefully we're back on track as I am feeling a lot better, but uh, we'll uh, we'll update you when we can if there's going to be some bumps in the road. Uh, Matt Rushton was back. Uh, we met up for a drink as part of me getting well again, uh, which was absolutely fabulous. And he was on good form, and uh, we had a uh, we had some nice um, cocktail. Well, he had a cocktail, and I had a, a fancy gin because there is a fancy gin bar in Darlington. It was a, it might be in the north, but that doesn't mean we can't do classy. In fact, what am I saying? Darlington's quite Classy if you want to go out for a drink or food. I stop like making jokes. Just northern stereotypes that I've me with my soft southern um, upbringing have uh, been lied to with. Anyway, but because I've taken so long to sort myself out, Matt is off being a gainfully employed professional in other parts once again. So with me, so. So with me once again are two men who've so far made it through three episodes without being drunk or hungover and without accidentally oversharing about their sex lives. Uh, Matt Dawson, Charlie Howard, you have heard the show before, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you need to tr- need to try harder on those fronts. <laughs> Just wait, I'm sure. <laughs> People are going to get used to you know restraint and sobriety, and, and where will we be then? <laughs> we'll be we'll be a very very different podcast, and uh, probably a, a a less kind of broadcastable. Well, no, a more broadcastable one. What am I saying? Uh, we're going to begin <laughs> this week with an "In My Kingdom" queer, though. Uh, this is where we talk to someone from the LGBTQ plus community who helps make metal happen. And for this one, we're talking to Connie Scarbosa, the singer from CU Space Cowboy, who are, what are we calling them, Matt? Mathy Metalcore? Yeah, Mathy Metalcore, a bit of hardcore thrown in for good measure. 
I mean, they're, they're kind of one of those bands that the argument about whether they're a hardcore band or a metal band is kind of pointless. They're sort of both and better for it and not really interested in genre boundaries. And I approve of that kind of thing. Uh, whatever they are, they're well good. Uh, and just before my brain fen- fell into the festival toilet, I had a really interesting chat with Connie. A uh, slight content warning, and it's an ironic one in a way. Connie's had her own share of mental health challenges and is quite open about them. So that does come up in the chat, uh, just for anyone who that wouldn't be very helpful to hear. Uh, also, we chatted when CU Space Cowboy were out on tour, so apologise for the occasional background noise. It's kind of obvious risk of recording in that scenario uh but with that out the way here is connie scarbosa yeah i'm i'm connie scarbosa i do vocals for sea space cowboy and i'm a trans woman lesbian as well and what's your experience of being out as a musician what's the the if you were to sum it up of how you're you're kind of welcomed in the music scene how has that been for you um i mean it's pretty much been my whole experience because most of like my time in like since like high school i've been in the music scene i've been out and in in hardcore like the scene i've been like most in and like when i used to be in the screamo scene i guess like it's very accepted so i've never really had a problem i mean the only like quote unquote problem would be like a lot of people from like other scenes like talking shit on like the youtube comments of our videos and stuff but uh, other than that, like, I've never had to deal, like, like in the music scene, like, anything, like, anyone willing to say shit to my face or anything. It's amazing that people will say stuff that, in the comments, that they will not say to your face, isn't it? It's... Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of cowards out there who will uh, like to, like, shoot out their death threats or say we should all be gassed or something like that. But, like, we'll, would not have the courage to ever say that to someone's face. Blimey, it's got, you've seen stuff that's that bad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen many people wishing death on me and stuff like that. Saying, like, are, like, lumping us all together in a group and, like, saying, yeah, we should get, like, dragged into the streets. That's appalling. Are you able to just kind of ignore the comments and just find a way to block that stuff out? Because that must be incredibly hard work. I mean, I am. I'm, because, like, I've also, like, lived my entire life, like, you know, just, like, kind of, like, being the one willing to, like, fight the person who calls me a faggot on the street and stuff like that. Like, and also, like, I just picture like this. I'm the person who gets to travel the world playing music, and they're just, like, making comments on a YouTube video, like, anonymously. They don't even have, like, the gall to, like, back their beliefs up with, like, their actual person. It's like, I'm out here doing my thing, just as me. Yeah. Because my experience of stuff like that is, like, because of what I what I do is nowhere near as public as yours, I've thankfully not had too much of it, but... There's the odd one, right? You yeah. can't avoid it entirely. Every, when it happens, it's really hard. And I do have to just kind of have a way to try and ignore it, block the user and move on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a position where you, you kind of can't avoid it, I yeah. would imagine that that's actually quite... It's not healthy for you. I would ima- that would That would be my experience. To an extent, like, yeah. Like, I would say, like, for me, like, I'm able to just kind of, like, brush it off and, like, move on with my life because, like, I, I don't know, I'm, like, just happy with what I'm doing and it doesn't really affect me. But I know for a lot of people it's, like, a lot to handle, but I've also just gotten used to it because I'm, I guess, in the quote-unquote limelight constantly. It's not something I can avoid, really. 
And yeah. so like I kind of just embraced that position and just like accepted that like it comes with downsides as well, but like there's nothing I can do about it. Sure. And I've, I know you've spoken in the past about the, um, the quite cathartic nature that you find music to be. Do you find that actually the, when stuff like that happens, do you find that the music you're performing and writing is something that helps you deal with things like that? Um, to an extent, I don't really, I haven't written about like expressively being queer in a while. I've kind of like just taken it as like, as part of my identity. And so I sing mostly about like things that happen in my life and like mental health and stuff. But to an extent, there's definitely like something that feels nice about like going out on stage and like being out and like, I guess, quote unquote, proud, like in that way, you know, loud and proud sort of thing. There's like, it's some, there's something gratifying about it for sure. Um, but at this point, like, I don't, I don't like, I kind of separate myself from other queer people in the way. Cause I'm not so much like my identity is my whole life kind of person. It's just like, yeah. it's part of who I am. Yes. It's part of like what I believe in. Sure. But like, for me, there's a lot more things. There are a lot of other things that are more important to me than like my identity and like who I like to be with. Sure. Do, do you find then that the, the kind of the, the act of walking on stage is is a uh, just on a, a a human level, not as a queer person. It, the act of being on stage is actually a very empowering thing because that's that sounds like what you were you're talking about just now. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think if you when you go out on stage and like you you like you're feeling yourself and you're having a good show, like yeah, there's nothing that like matches that feeling like at all. Like it's it's great and it feels you know you feel accomplished and you feel validated and it's it's cathartic like through and through which i guess comes back to the 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 catharsis of the the music that you spoke about do you when you're writing about some of the because obviously you write about some stuff that is challenging it's not you're not i always use the example it's not just like kind of death metal gore nonsense right which is not real it's just fantastical you're writing about real things that are difficult do Mm -hmm. you find that that is something that is kind of a, uh, a, a an easy thing to do because uh, that kind of you know honesty and talking about difficult things for a lot of people is very difficult and I'm wondering if if that's true for you. For me, it's really easy actually. Like it's the whole reason I make music is to like express myself and things. So for me, it's and I'm, I'm, even in like real life, I'm a very open book kind of person. Like. I don't really hide anything. And so like putting it out in like my music and stuff is just like another step in that like mentality that I have. So it's never been hard for me to just be like, yeah, this is what I dealt with, especially with like the last record. Um, A lot of people were kind of like, I guess a lot of like interviewers and stuff like that were kind of like a little like taken aback by like how open I was about things but for me it's just like if I'm playing in a band if I'm screaming if I'm doing all these things like it's going to be something that has to do with me and it's going to be like my life and my truth through and through and like it's not difficult for me it's just like it's like I said it's the whole reason I do this you talk about the the mental health sort of things which is often something that people feel very nervous about talking about and that people um I I, I 
won't reveal too much about myself, but I've had some mental health issues of, of my own. It's amazing how many people are really uncomfortable when you start talking about it, honestly. Do you find that that kind of, that people are not quite as comfortable talking about it as you are about writing it sometimes? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, and, and it ties into why I do it. Because part of the reason why I'm so open about like addiction and mental health and stuff is because there is a stigma and there's a shame attached to it still that, uh, oh, like if you struggle with things, like you need to hide it, keep it inside, like don't tell anyone, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's like, I don't think it's something we have to be ashamed of. Like I'm, you know, I've, I'm bipolar. I have OCD, I have depression, I have anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Like I've been diagnosed, I've been prescribed shit, but like, I don't feel like I should, I have to be ashamed because wires in my brain are like crossed and get, tend to get fried sometimes, you know? It's like, it's just, it's part of me. Like, and I don't think it's something that, I think that it causes more damage to keep it secret. Like if we, yeah. if we don't tell our friends what we're going through and stuff, then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I, I've, I've been saying this for a while. Like people don't want to talk about addiction and mental health struggles until you're either better or the person dies. And like, I feel like it's most important to talk about it during the process of dealing with it because that's when you can get help. That's when you need it the most, not when you're like already better, quote unquote, or you're like in, in a grave. Yeah, there's no point in talking about it when you're saying, well, I'm through it now. And now we can talk about all those difficult times because yeah. you don't need the help at that point, do you? Yeah, you need it while you're going through it. Yeah. Do you think that there's, it's just thoughts just struck me. There's something that a number of queer people uh, old of previous generations have spoken about of how important it is to be open and to live out to you know to not hide who you are and how harmful it is am i being insane or is there a slight parallel there just superficially that you know that it's more healthy to be open yeah i think it's way more healthy and you open so many more doors if you are honest about what you're going through and people know what you're going through because then people can help either have understanding about it or even just empathy about it. Like it's way better to be open about what you're struggling with versus just dealing with it alone. Yeah. And do you find that people are good at supporting you if you, you know, if you say I'm not actually doing that well, do you find that people are good at responding or do you, is it the kind of thing that people, uh, they want to help, but they don't always know how. I think I think it's like 50 50. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people who when you open up to them will will be there for you. It's not the easiest thing to know how to be there for someone when they're dealing with stuff. You know, like I truthfully yeah. wouldn't even know necessarily the ins and outs of like, for each specific person, what's the best way to be there for them. Um, Because it is because it's uh, as a personal struggle for each person. I mean, everybody's different. And so, but it's not necessarily a deterrent for me. I'm, when I am open about things, I'm not necessarily looking for someone to offer me a solution. I don't necessarily think there is a solution. It's more just like, as like, hey, transparency in a way, you know. Hey, I may act weird sometimes. Hey, if I'm like this, it means I'm manic. Don't let me do this. Like, don't let me run off. Don't let me like, you know, I'm like not in my right mind. Like, keep an eye on me when I'm like that, you know things like that just like an understanding and transparency to help yeah do you find that people are you know when i when i say people i mean fans i guess do you find that people respond as well to 
you talking about that kind of thing as they do to to any of the other things that are, are another band might sing about i think there are all the always the bands who get told oh your you know your lyrics about you know relationships or something that helped me when i had a really bad breakup or something like that do you find that f- you get fans who are saying i've had really bad mental health problems and that kind you talking about that made me feel better about myself Oh, definitely. I mean, I get that a lot. I get a lot of people talking to me about how it's like it's good to have somebody like me who's like so honest about either mental health or like addiction stuff because it's not as common. So there's definitely a lot of people who will like message me or come to me at shows and thank me, I guess, for being so open about talking about these things and um, I guess uh, trying to destigmatize it. What kind of things do people say when they say when they come up to you with things like that? Oh, just that it's good to like have that out in the open or have somebody like in like a spotlight, so to speak, that like is willing to like talk about those things because the way that I guess culture and society works is like we there's usually you wait and then you see people who like are like in I guess like different positions than you that will like start and then it, there's a cultural shift that comes later. You know, it it takes like a few people to start like speaking up or to like be honest about something or talk about something, and then it will create. I guess in theory, it will create more awareness and more acceptance, and like that, like kind of destigmatization that like we need in order so that people can get the help that they need. Yeah, and in a way a lot like reducing the the fear and stigma around the queer community to an extent. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it is a very similar thing in that way. I mean, back in the day, people were fucking terrified of queer people. Yeah. But all it took was, like, putting them more and more in a public eye and, and education campaigns and just putting people out there to, like, kind of tone that down and make it so this is accept- we're an accepted part of society. Yeah, it's amazing how people accept people using slurs right up until the point they realize that's about one of their grandkids or about their, yeah. their brother or something like that. That's when they yeah. go, yeah, no, that, I might have to reassess what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the importance of transparency is the more we're seen, the more normalized things will become. Yeah. And you, the way you're talking, this it sounds like something is in, entirely possible positive for you are there any downsides to being that open that you've experienced definitely is you definitely face a lot of adversity and you will and anybody who like asks me about like advice on when to come out where like what whatever i always say like i've never i don't sugarcoat it to people and then just like yeah go live your truth like it'll be great not everyone can do that and it's definitely a lot of like danger and downsides in it um yeah so I always say it's just a personal thing is like if you feel safe coming out and like you feel like you have the resources and the support to do it and like by all means more power all the power to you but it's not a blanket like everyone come out of the closet right now like it's it's all good because it's yeah. not yeah there's there's everyone's got the story about the person that they told hold oh no come out your parents know it will be fine and they got kicked out or something like yeah that. exactly um um, I was more—I guess—I was more thinking about the the mental health and addiction side of things, though, because they're the, the kind of things that people are less used to people talking about. So I guess yeah. if I was wondering if there are, you've had any downsides for, for talking about that stuff specifically. I mean, I—I I guarantee. I mean, it's definitely worried a lot of people. There's definitely a lot of people who've been a lot more worried about me since I've been more just like open about shit. 
there's definitely people who look at me differently. You know, if I tell them, hey, I struggle with like opiate addiction, they'll think I'm just like a quote unquote junkie and I'm going to steal their TV to go buy drugs or whatever. Um, there's definitely like it, like people will lump you into stereotypes. They'll be, oh, that person's just crazy. Like, oh, they're bipolar. That means they're just going to like switch on you in an instant and fucking like slap you in the face or something like that. Um, so like there's there's definitely still a battle against stereotypes. There definitely is like a little bit of judgment from people, but you just have to roll with it. In my opinion, you just have to push through it. And I guess that's what you were talking about earlier with the importance of uh, of being open is that more people who say I have I am bipolar, I have schizophrenia, the more people realize what the the truths and and myths are about it. Yeah, I mean, and I get it to an extent. Like, if I go to someone and be like, oh, yeah, my psychiatrist said, at times I have a, a, a very thin grasp on reality, you know, when I'm manic and stuff like that. Like, that's, to, like, a normal person, that's wild to hear. It's like, oh, this person, like, doesn't know what reality is sometimes. And it's like, well, no, it's during very specific episodes. And, you know, it's not like I'm trying to jump off a roof thinking I can fly. Um it, but it's all about just education, and like that's how you move things forward. Is you educate people, pe- more people learn, and that's how you it's how you advance. Even when it comes to things other than mental health and addiction in society, even how it works with technology and stuff. A number of people have. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm moving it back to the LGBT community. A lot of people in in the community have been speaking kind of more and more recently about how it's not our job to educate people. Like when it, it's not up to us to educate cishet folks about the reality of of our existence and about what language they should and shouldn't use and so on and so forth do you feel that there is kind of a, a responsibility at all that to educate or would you agree oh i absolutely that? do i think that's a really lazy hands-off take because people don't want confrontation i absolutely think that like yes you could say that all oh, there's resources common knowledge blah 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 whatever but i i still feel like if you want to help move the movement forward you absolutely have to be willing to educate people when need be i don't i don't think that just like taking your hands off and be like oh like go look it up on the fucking internet is like the way to advance anything at all because it just makes us seem unapproachable uninterested in like advancing anything and just kind of just like we want to just like say fuck you to people like figure it out you know i think it's important like if you want respect and acceptance like you had to be willing to like teach it not just telling people like fuck you go do it yourself yeah which is obviously it seems to in in certain things that you speak about you you're quite happy to take on that role yourself as well you're not just kind of telling people what to do yeah you're from a that. young age i've always like when i was like 14 15 16 i would like run the zine table like the venue i went to all the time like i've always been all for education Edu- like free education like is like the best way to uh kind of like move any movement forward like anything like that it, you have to be willing to educate if you want anyone like even when it comes to like like political ideology you have to be willing to educate people you can't just be like oh i'm this and fuck you for not being that you have to be willing to be like i'm this here's why and here's like why i believe it's good and you you mentioned that you you um earlier you mentioned that you you know you're you're not one of the 
the queer people who who that's kind of the whole of your identity there's a lot more that you want to talk about do you get frustrated when people do want to talk about that a lot even when it's kind of not relevant to an extent yeah definitely there there was definitely when we first kind of started our like upward trajectory every interview wanted to be about being queer even though it's not really like sure we made like we make our like queer shirts you know our little resistance shirts whatever um but it's not really what i was talking about at the time anymore so it definitely gets a bit frustrating when like it's focused on like my identity but at the same time i understand why it's like a necessary evil because i am like one of the few trans people who like they'll put in a magazine i guess um so i get it i get why it's like that and i, I get the good that comes from it but it definitely got gets a little annoying sometimes yeah yeah and ho- it's the kind of thing that hopefully eventually won't be necessary right yeah i mean that's that, that's the hope in the same way that there are you know th- i'm sure there are quite a lot of women who are quite sick of being asked so what's it like being a girl in the band and trying to t- yeah, people just absolutely. constantly wanting to talk about you know being a woman in metal whereas can we talk about the fact that i'm really good at guitar and that our band yeah or something I, like, I, it's yeah. definitely a common sentiment like for sure and and like yeah like i said like i get it i get why it's a thing i hope in the future i don't have to talk about it anymore i i mean i would always have like 10 years down the line it's just an accepted thing and it's normal yeah and then the 10 years time you're interviewed all about the new music or the show or something That'd be like great. that it was just talk yeah. about a new album well, hopefully next time, <laughs> that's what we'll talk about. But Connie, thank you very much for coming on Hellbent for Metal. I really oh, appreciate course. your time. Of course, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Connie. Uh, CU Space Cowboys' killer latest record, The Romance of Affliction, is out now, and I can thoroughly recommend that one. And Matt's nodding. I think you agree with me there, right? Yeah. One of my favourite bands out there at the moment, essentially, so I'm so happy that you managed to get them on the show, to be quite honest. Excellent. Then uh, I'm... Charlie, do you know them, or is this Nate? I've never listened to them. I've heard the name, but I've not listened to them. Well, we're suggesting you go and fix that, because they are very good. Yes. Uh, Yeah. But now, maybe it's just because I've not been out much recently, uh, but I'm feeling like I need to go somewhere with cheap lighting and expensive drinks. Who's with me? Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. We stumble into the cheap and tasteless, yet somehow brilliant lighting of the Hate Crew Gay Bar. Uh, this is basically like most gay bars I've ever been to, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. One yeah. of my favourite gay bars, always, gay bars when I lived in London, was like, it looked like it hadn't had any money spent in it since about 1997, and it's brilliant. Um, this is the Heavy Metal Gay Bar we've opened, which is where we come every week to update the jukebox with a stuff we've been listening to recently, because uh, otherwise it will just be the tourists putting on war pigs every five minutes, and it's sweet that they're engaging, but we'd like to help broaden their horizons. Uh, first up, we have some fuzzy, noisy stuff from Paris. Is that right, Matt? Yep, we do, and it's Red Sun Atacama with their album Darwin. Essentially, it's fuzzy, mixed with psychedelic, mixed with stoner rock. So, essentially, if you're a fan of, like, Caius, Fu Manchu, all that kind of stuff, this is definitely going to be up your street. It would definitely I'm glad you more... said Caius. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's... it's kind of inescapable when you listen to them sometimes. <laughs> because, essentially, the best way to put it is... Put on the track Antares first and just let the whole vibe just take over you for about eight minutes 
because the beginning of that on a Sunday morning after a few drinks the night before is just pure blissful existence, you know? It's one of those records, and it's one of my favourites of the year, pretty much. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the stoner rock genre as it is. Um, Low Pan basically have released some of my favourite records of the last few years. But this was a pleasant surprise. That I have to kind of give a shout out to, I think it's Will at Metal Hammer who does like his list every week on Twitter. Because it was through that I knew of Red Sun and the one we did a, a while back in Goza on the same week. And it's like, okay, this is a record I can really get behind. And they're also on Mars Red Skies label. So for those that are into psychedelic stuff, you might be familiar with how they are. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, psychedelic is definitely an accurate term. Um, Charlie, what did you make of this? I thought it was pretty good it's quite chilled in my mm, opinion yes yeah um i feel like i may even get away with songs from this with my friend my, all my queer friends who don't like metal maybe not, I on, hope hangover. So. not on a hangover though no the, that would not work for them because once i sent them um a very hungover friend um the man on man record and they're like this is hurting my brain this is awful for hangover <laughs> oh and i consider that kind of easy listening yeah same yeah <laughs> but yeah i really like this um the song that you mentioned Antares, that's the one i've noted as being like probably my favorite one mm. i'm the only sci-fi fan here antares <sighs> It's a, it's a it's a star. It's it's like anyone okay. who's played like sci-fi games, you always end up going to the Antari system at some point. Mm. Sorry, I just nerd. <laughs> nerd. I get I get nerd references to too much. Um, also, my half is is sufficiently like, scientifically inclined that he would shout at me if I didn't correct that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be listening to this screaming at the screaming at whatever, going, "This is it, wrong." Yes. Yes, you're getting the physics wrong. Um, that's, <laughs> I have I have had that conversation. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, did you kind of get the thing that Matt's talking about, where it's kind of you stick it on and you kind of space out? That did you get? Did that? Did it do that for you? I don't think to like a proper spacey out extent, but like <laughs> a little bit. There's the kind of music. That I would very enjoy to have, like on a long car journey. Gotcha. Mm. Which, which is a good thing, by the way. That makes it sound maybe like a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, no, that, I see what you mean. Because if you're in a car journey and you've, you, there's not much you can do. Like, you've, if you're gonna put music on, it's got to be good enough to just hold your attention on its own and and not really kind of. If it's it starts to lose you a bit. It can get very, very boring. So I, I do see why that's a compliment. I, I kind of, um, I, I heard the Caius thing immediately and went, yeah, the, the, they might li have listened to that band. But it's also not a million miles off from another French band, Slift, who I spoke about in the Roadburn show because they were fucking incredible there. Um, it, this is more like stonery and that's way more kind of psychedelic y, space rocky, yeah. kind of noisy stuff. Um, and this is also kind of more metal, I think, 
Slift, some metal fans might find a little bit like not riffy enough, whereas this band have got way more kind of chops. But I really enjoyed it. I kind of really got that kind of, I'm kind of just zoning out and kind of just kind of in the vibe and in the moment. And, and yeah. even though like there are songs, it's not just kind of, we're going to now have a 15 minute guitar solo with like effects <laughs> in the background to make you feel really, really spaced out. It's not that, mm. but even though it's got songs, I did really kind of feel that kind of expansive journey thing. I really liked it. Yay! Plus, I wanted to kind of prove that my music choice isn't all ooh doom and gloom, you know, kind of. Yeah, thing. it's it is quite upbeat. <laughs> yeah. It is quite a it is quite a oh I feel better about things record, mm-hmm. which you know, my pick is later. Warning is the literally the opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. I, I, rumors that my uh, d- my deterioration were because I've been listening to that a lot are, are, are unproven, and I would like to. Uh, my lawyers would like me to state that I am in no way. <laughs> <laughs> now that's out the way. Um, I think is fun the right word. I'm not sure if it's kind of because it's not like it's not like Orange Goblin, right? Yeah, so it is that is fun music. Mm-hmm. This is more kind of it's more upbeat and kind of yeah, let's kind of enjoy the moment, but not kind of it's it's less aggressive. But oh, it's, yeah. it's also kind of I don't know. There's something about it that I'm really finding hard to put my finger on because it's 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 in that little valley between two things that I know better. That kind of really psychedelic spaced out thing, which they, it's not, but it's also not the kind of really kind of stonery. Let's have a beer and or a beer or something you know less legal. Um, <laughs> it's not doing that either. It's kind of somewhere between the two, and it's kind of got its own character that I've really tried to. I've gone been listening to this because uh, quite a lot and in, enjoying it. It's mm. one of those things where I was like, well, I'm I don't mind listening to this to think about it because I actually enjoy the process. But I was sitting there thinking. What is it actually making me feel? Because I can't quite put my finger on it. I like it. I like it. It's and it's nice. And it's not like, but it, I think it, maybe it's just one of those things that I need someone who really, really knows like stone rock slash metal and psychedelic stuff to come in and say, "Well, Tom, what it's doing there is." Um, whereas I'll just kind of stick to black metal and power metal and, and <laughs> silly folky bollocks with hurdy gurdies. You know what I like. Um, <laughs> Canadian Canadian records with no lyrics that last for fifty minutes, and there are like four songs. That's you know, <laughs> that's me. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, I, I, oh, I was just saying, it's just something that kind of puts you in a in a good mood, but not in that I'm gonna have loads of fun mood. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense, relaxed good mood. There is a yeah. clutch vibe in places as well. I mean, Revelator for a start. Yeah. It's not quite that kind of bluesy boogie thing, but it is. No. There is a little bit of that. Um, mind you, clutch. I always think clutch or clutch. So I, I any comparison mm. to clutch, I immediately go, "Is it though?" Just because I, I'm like, clutch baby. <laughs> no, that's un- oh yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, I, 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 I love clutch. Um, Who doesn't in this room? <laughs> Anyway, it's it's well good. I think we all agree that. Darwin by Red Sun Atacama has been entered into the jukebox. Uh, now, from something that's fun to something that's kind of... I, I almost don't know how to describe it. Um, what are you putting in the jukebox this week, Charlie? And how on 
earth are we kind of describing it? Because I still listen to it going, I don't know what... Descriptively, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got the EP From Without by Zetra. They're like a two-piece gothy, metal-influenced, shoegazy kind of band. They wear corpse paint on stage, so they they're definitely metal-influenced. Yeah. Ah. So I saw them supporting Employed to Serve very recently. The, the, that doesn't surprise me, because they're on... Uh, church road yeah. yeah and i just was really into it um and then i found like found this listened to it a lot and this is super different from every other thing i have brought on the pod so far <laughs> yes because i have yes. just been bringing nasty dirty grimy things and this is not that so no. i do have range occasionally i mean is it sort of is it goth we, is that the it's kind of the keyboardy synthy thing? I'm not sure if it's not synthwave. No, there's definitely goth vibes. Yeah, I'm not great at determining what is goth and what is not because the mo- the only goth band I really like is a band that don't like to be called goths. So. <laughs> also, also the uh, is this goth? Is it not goth? Is a little bit close to the is this metal? Is this not metal discussion? Yeah. Which I think everyone agrees is where everyone who you would like to go to the pub with uh, agrees that that is quite a boring conversation. At this exactly. Point. But yeah, um, it's very atmospheric and melancholy, basically. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah this very... is not cheerful. <laughs> oh, no, it is not, and I am sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, it t- it did take me a few listens, really, because I kept getting reminded of um, Puppy a little bit in places. It's like, okay. Um, and I like Puppy, don't get me wrong. I enjoy what they're doing a lot. Um, but it took me a while because it's like, I don't think what helped is that the first song I heard was the cover of Cry Little Sister, and I'm kind of getting a bit tired of goth bands doing Cry Little Sister covers. Oh, is that a thing? I did, I, I'm I not literally in... no idea. Like, I, I like goth, but it's something I kind of I I I let it arrive at me. I don't go looking for it, so I don't really. Yeah, know. there's there's been a fair few bands I know that's like, oh, they've done a Cry Little Sister cover. It's like, oh, okay, but but taking that out of the equation, uh, I did eventually. I grew to really go with what they were going with. The synth stuff does work. Uh, yeah, there is very much a typo negative on the sleeve in places. Well, we will forgive them that. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I've had that. I've had the discussion about that. I'm not going to bring that up. Again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was there. It's like, but yeah, I can. I kind of want to hear a bit more from them. See how they can see how they can potentially evolve things a bit. Um, I have heard a, a track that isn't on the EP. There's a track called "Into the Flesh," which does give me some idea of that. But I I do want to... I did enjoy this. It It is annoying it took me a few lessons, but it was really good. That, that's a better response than I was expecting. I felt like this was a rogue choice. <laughs> I, I'm rogue's a bit strong. And we have actually spoken about this band before. Well, I say we. I and Matt have spoken about this. Matt and I, if I can put my you know, brain into English. Um, Rushton and myself discussed this when we went to see Unto Others because they were the sport band. And I think that 
the discussion was we kind of we, we're not sure we weren't sure if we got it or not i certainly had that feeling i'm not sure if, i think matt might have been a bit more enthusiastic but matt was dying he, died, he was really not a well boy that night um he was literally being propped up by the bar and he hadn't been near any alcohol he was just like give me water please um <laughs> and my memory of it is thinking this is so odd and i do not mm. know what to make of it because it is really weird it, it, and it is kind of saying we're going to use a load of things that you know in a context that you don't and it's going to really fuck with your head and old boy does it and i think that's why it takes so many listens because you're kind of going this is like i don't even know the musical language that they're speaking yet and i kind of feel like the next thing that they do is the thing that i re i would get into because it, it feels like a concept that they're still playing with and that they need to kind of shape a bit more and that once they've done it, it could be well good. Yeah. I really like how atmospheric it is, though. That's definitely a, a kind of thing that I got and went, oh, that's nice. They also have... I, they, the whole synthy thing, though, is... It's very obvious at the moment when someone has like is vibing off that synthy revival because mm. it's... Uh, bring Stranger Things up again. There is a bit on here where I just went, yeah, that sounds like something off the Stranger Things things soundtrack and the stranger things uses that loads and there's loads of people who've used that kind of really kind of uh, we're going to use a synth and we're going to hold a chord for a very long time thing that you know uh, perturbators decided he likes now um <laughs> and it, that kind of stuff i go i know i i kind of like this but i i want you to do something that's more you and when they're not doing that they're so distinctive and like not everyone else so i'm like yeah do do more of that and, and work on that and then i might really love you i kind of i'm not sure i'm there yet i, d I don't hate it i just yeah. I, d I don't think i get it i think it's still kind of trying to probe in which sort of tells me that the the concept is okay because otherwise i would have gone i don't like this but that they just need to like execute a bit better fair enough yeah or execute more to my taste i say better better there's no such thing as objective in music objective is entirely music is entirely subjective it doesn't exist until it goes into your ear and transmit to your brain other than that it's just sound waves in the air so the the idea that something can be objectively better i mean you can have kind of objectively louder or objectively you know a different note or more bass or whatever but you could you know higher frequency and so on and so forth but you objectively better nonsense term more more in keeping with what my brain thinks is fun there we go yeah yeah sorry i'll get that occasionally <laughs> i see people talk about objectively better in terms of music and i just go oh piss off no I don't know what oh it's like yeah. when, it's like when people go to me oh you have to be uh objective in your reviews about what you think of a band band's music or whatever like, no that's not how you it works. You can't be objective. That's not how it works. It's, it's, it's entirely... Sub it's a, music is a subjective media, entirely. Like, okay, you can say, well, I'm going to disconnect the music from the fact that I think the musician is a prick or something like that. Um, in this case, that's obviously not an issue. I have no problem with Zetra at all. I'm sure they're lovely people. Um, but, you know, to, you can do that, but the idea of being objective. So if if Zetra think, no, fuck you, Tom Day, you don't know what you're talking about, that's entirely fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better involved. It's just like, do I like it more? It's a very different thing. 
Um, I do agree that I want kind of more, though. I, I that's a good point, Matt. I hadn't quite realised that. I think maybe my problem with it is it stops too early, and if they kind of if they doubled the runtime, I would be going. Now I get it. Yeah. Because it would there would be a certain point where it clicks. Because sometimes that happens with records that I'm going. I don't get this for twenty minutes, and then something will happen twenty minutes in, and I'll go. And there we go. Um, and maybe that's what's what happened with happened here. Yeah, it is an EP. I'd quite like to hear like what their next output is, hoping that it will be an actual album length. Mm. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, From Without by Zetra has been added to the jukebox. Uh, my pick this week is it's a it's the only time I've ever done this, and that I've picked something that. I think I'm going to love in a few months' time, and at the moment I'm still wrapping my head around, and will probably be wrapping my head around for some time to come. Um, it's something that's had a load of, um, frankly, gushing praise already. I do think the praise has been silly in some cases. There are a lot of people making calls that are kind of things that you can only judge after six months or five years or something like that. People saying this is the most important album of the year. Well, mm. you never know that at the time. You only know that like five years down the line when you see what effect it had, right? Like in 1994, people weren't saying that Korn's debut album was like the most important album of that year, but in metal terms, it probably was, you know, anyway. Um, so I think that I do think that some of the praise has been silly with people falling over themselves to find new superlatives and saying things that in, in five years time, they might be desperately trying to erase from the internet. Um, but what I will say is that I think this is, I think I'm going to be in love with this in a few months time at the moment. I'm kind of in love with bits of it and the rest of it. I'm still wrapping my head around is pathos by conjurer who are the kind of, the darlings of the British underground that's no longer really underground anymore because they got a bit too popular. Um, their debut, I think, everyone lost their shit about. M M Maya was ridiculous. They were insane live for the whole tour, and then they did um, Curse These Metal Hands with Pine, which was also fucking excellent. Um, and this, this has kind of been a long time in the works and has been kind of too long, really. I think that I wanted it a lot sooner. But it's fucking all it's so heavy and it's so brutal and it's so uh, it's weird right there's a lot of kind of atonal and i don't mean atonal i mean dissonant um kind of evil horrible riffage and it sounds like someone really like someone really fucked up trying to work through some shit with a guitar right that's what which yeah I don't. Sorry, Brady, if you're listening. I don't want to suggest that that is actually what's happening, but it wouldn't surprise me if if that it turned out that was what was happening. The thing that hangs it together is that there is a song, uh, a few tracks in, called "All You Will Remember," which had an effect with me that I've kind of had before when the last Interarmor album, Sulfur English, came out. I don't think I've spoken about Interarmor uh, before. Interarmor are like my second favorite band making music right now. Basically, I think Interarmor are staggeringly brilliant. Only unrequited, like rival, um, my affection uh, rivals in my affection. Sulfur English, though, I found really hard work, and I went, "Why? Why am I struggling to get my head around this? This is I love this band. Why? Why is this so difficult?" And it was only when I kind of I realised that there's a song in the middle of that album called Stillness, which is really different to everything that came before. And it's this really slow, beautiful thing. 
and suddenly everything kind of the mists separate and it all kind of you see the whole picture and you see what you've been kind of wading through and you've been lost in the woods and you can't see the woods for the trees and suddenly you're out the other side and it's all kind of it all is laid out in front of you it all makes sense uh track three on this uh all you will remember has a very similar effect where it suddenly makes total sense because this really beautiful thing happens and this, there's loads of melody amidst the chaos and then it goes back into absolute torment again and we're back on the way um that song in of itself i think is staggeringly brilliant and that's kind of why i think the rest of it is slowly starting to coalesce into something i adore but it's i'm gonna need some more time with it having had a very kind of long purpley rant am i on my own with this well i think when you said you were talking about bringing this on you did say it was taking a while and i said yeah, I know that when Maya came out, it took me a little while for that to click. It only really happened once I saw it live. Yeah, same. Did not happen with this for me at all. It was a lot. I was really expecting to work, have to work a lot harder with it to enjoy oh, it. Oh, oh, so you got into it all pretty quickly? Pretty, yeah. Interesting. And I don't I'm know if it helped of... that I'd also heard uh, like quite a few of the singles and I'd listened to them quite a bit. Maybe Probably. that helped. Yeah, I think it does some it does some different things as well from Conjurer's other stuff, like different vocal choices. Yeah, cropping up throughout the album, which are always a surprise, but not an unwelcome surprise. Yeah, the melody is is welcome, I think. Mm. Yeah. See, with me now, I'll make it clear. I enjoyed this album. Like Tom, however, it's taken it's taken me a while to um, get my head around a bit. Uh, Tom's actually mentioned a song I was going to mention first as well. Uh, that was the song that made me go, "Okay, I see what they, I see where they're going with this, and what they're trying to do. Um, they're kind of doing a they're doing a post metal thing. Definitely, I can definitely feel that there's a, a bit of a road burn kind of style thing going on." Uh, the the one track that really I like a lot is uh, "Suffer Suffer Alone." The yes, the really fast one. Because here's the thing: here's the thing about Contra for me. Uh, I didn't really listen to Maya a lot like everybody else did. Uh, I listened to bits and pieces of Maya, but I I I didn't listen to it as much as seemingly everyone else. I did listen to the one they did with Pine though, "Curse Those Metal Hands," and I really loved that record a lot. So this record is kind of my first proper exposure to Contra a bit. So knowing they do tracks, like, right in the middle, they're just like, right, we're going to do a fucking fast one for two and a half minutes. And I'm like, oh, shit, yes, 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 more that. And then they go back into the post-metal world. It's like, great, that's good. And I really like the closer of this record a lot, Cracks in the Pyre. But I kind of want to hear more of the fast stuff. I want to do an EP like the fast song of like fast style songs a little bit. You know what I mean? That would be fun. Mm. There, there is a lot of like slow dissonant riffs. Yeah, that do. It's I think is why it's taken me a while. In that there is like there's only so much dissonance that my brain can cope with before it just starts to kind of slide over. Yeah. That you need to just to keep just for me, you need to kind of do something to break it up relatively often. 
otherwise my brain just starts going like I, I'm not processing this very well and I think that's what happened with Sulfur English by Interama in that it went kind of the early tracks were really kind of noisy and horrible and, and like really excellent but it was kind of a lot to take in for me and I think the same thing has kind of happened here um, and that having the faster song and the slower melodic song I think really helps me and I think kind of I think what's going to happen with me is that once my brain is used to the, all the bits, it will start seeing more of the like more of the complete picture of those like very decent songs. Mm. Um, but I think it's still working on that. With the the slow song, uh, the slow song, and the fast song though are like fucking excellent. There was a there was something that I think was said in an interview by I think it might have been. Dan, I think. I think it was the Kerrang one they did, the cover story thing they did, where something along the lines of they wanted to take the music you hear at Roadburn and kind of make it for an audience that goes to download. Okay. Which is That's a, interesting. Yeah. Which, when I read that, was like, I could see what they're trying to do with that, and in a couple of instances, like uh, Doji is Condemned, I think, is another one that kind of does it quite well. Um, they do manage to do that, and with Suffer Alone, they definitely do that. But whether they can make all the pieces fit together quite yet, I'm not entirely sure on. I'll be interested to see how the crowds get it, because I yeah. do think this is a harder record to get your head around than Maya. Maybe that's just me. Maybe other people are having a much easier time. But my feeling was that it's it's a record that's kind of challenging you a bit more, and that isn't a criticism. I quite like that. And that sometimes the records that I have to work hardest to get into are the ones that I end up liking the most. But sometimes they are just hard work. Like, as much as it's brilliant, Monotheus by Celtic Frost is... It's not a record I listen to for fun very often. Because <laughs> that record is a bit like, you know, everything is misery and pain and torment and ends in death soon like that's monotheus by kelly frost there's not only so often i want to listen to that right and i kind of wonder whether this is going to be one be like sulfur english which is a record i now fucking adore and listen to regularly um and something that kind of really does capture people's attention and really does become something that people listen to for fun a lot or whether it will be monotheus by kelly frost which is a record that you know people go well that's brilliant and then actually it's not listened to very often it kind of sits on the shelf looking very very evil because that ultimately that's like whether those of us who are kind of waxing lyrical about it are right or not is measured by how many people actually get into it like if they have a hardcore of fans who adore it that keeps them kind of headlining comparatively small shows then great but if they do make like robo music for people who go to download and end up headlining a stage at download then we'll know that people did love it mm. i'm just i'm interested to see what happens because i it's such a hard record that i kind of wonder if it will translate that well to that crowd pathos by kundra has been added to the jukebox and while we will have more new music for the jukebox next week i think for now that is time at the hate crew gay bar We finish once again on a camp classic. 
This is where we take a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. And this week we've got some Swedish shred and German growling with anthemic Melodeth troop Arch Enemy and their song Blood on Your Hands, taken from their 2007 album Rise of the Tyrant. Uh, let's deal with the music first before we get on to the gay stuff, uh, which reminds me of some dates I've been on. Uh, where are we on Arch Enemy? I am definitely more the era we're kind of in the era we're covering today, so the Gossel era, more Arch Enemy than the Alyssa and I forget the name of the guy that was doing it before Angela took over. I think, I think the Arch Enemy have forgotten the name of the guy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I absolutely love Doomsday Machine. That's one of my favorite albums in the, in that kind of mellow deaf world. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that as a favourite. Yeah, Rise of the Time, it's a good album as well. And Chaos Legions was fine, but you knew... Didn't, didn't... Was it? <laughs> I I thought that was a completely pointless album. I had nothing that's... Well, that's you know, it, was time for, it was time for a change after that one, to be honest. Yeah. You could you could clearly tell that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm cool with Arch Enemy. Charlie? They are a band I've heard a handful of songs from and gone that's pretty good and then never done anything further <laughs> about it that's really good and i'm not going to show any interest in anything else that just we've all got a band like that yeah yeah um i i don't want to be rude but i i very much kind of feel that they're a singles band like that, there are very few albums that I would say, yeah, there's a point in listening to that all the way through. But most albums, the few exceptions, Chaos Legions is certainly one. Uh, most of the albums they've done, I would say, there is something really fucking excellent on there. Yeah. Like if you if you live, they will ha have a set list of bangers. Um, although they stopped doing this one really quickly, and I was quite pissed off because this is one of my favourite of their songs. Um, and live, it was it. I never saw them play it live, but I've seen like pro shot footage of them doing it live and it looked sick as fuck um i think it was even on a dvd that they did in in japan anyway i loved angela gossow as well i i thought she was she was one she was so strong on stage she just looked like she owned that fucking thing um and she's so she's got such a distinctive voice that the moment it comes in that's angela um and she's so abrasive as well she sounds fucking brutal i know there are some people who don't like that technique but i i think she sounds great um and she she was just always an absolute star um Alyssa has done a bloody good job of succeeding her as well i think actually i i do think she's done a good job I, even if i wasn't necessarily that keen on the last record um i thought war eternal the first album with her was actually one of their better records which um if, having just said that, said what I've said about them, that seems like a backhanded compliment. But that I did actually like that record. Uh, now, as I promised, onto the gay stuff. Uh, did we get anything here that spoke to our queer sides? Yeah, but not in like a. This isn't happy in any way. No, this is no. so angry. It makes you feel sick, kind of way. Yeah. Because I, I listened to this. And then I listened to the Oslo episode that you put out, and then I listened to this again, and uh, I was just in a fucking horrible mood afterwards. Um, yeah, sorry about that. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, so lyrically, I've pulled out a couple of things. Like, at the end of all this hatred lies even deeper hate. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and also, a requiem for the countless dead. Blood is on your hands. That one. That's just like very. How many queer people have to fucking die? Yep. Kind of. Yeah. 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 I mean. The timing of picking this song right now as a camp classic is very apropos. Um, I know, big word. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> apropos, of, apropos of being a queer person and alive right now. Yeah, it, <laughs> essentially. Because, as you've mentioned, Charlie, the Oslo uh, tragedy, uh, the the talk I've been watching as well the the documentary the AIDS on her tapes documentary that's been on recently on BBC. oh god I haven't been brave enough to watch oh, that it just it, looks oh, it, it looks harrowing yeah it's it is a t- I will be honest it is a tough watch I mean it's a sin was brutal see I've not seen it's a sin yet I am getting round to it but. You know, I watched that with my partner, and we and the last episode we were in absolute floods of tears for a good time. And we just afterwards we went. I think we need. To, we just had to have a hug and yeah. say we need some time to process that. And I, there was silence for like two hours, mm. just because it, it was. It's unbelievably tough, particularly like Russell T Davis is a fucking genius and. There's a there's some writing at the end which I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there is some there is one particular piece of dialogue where he manages to sum up something which I think every queer person who grew up in an in the era where AIDS was a death sentence or who was alive in the era where AIDS was a death sentence, we kind of all we all felt it but we didn't know and he articulates it perfectly and you go oh my god and it hit it just shook me and my better half brutally um so yeah i I, i'm not sure i can subject myself to the real thing if the drama Mm. was yeah that tough i mean i mean we, we are in a time politically where essentially lgbtq uh, right is, is under immense scrutiny and attack by governments that are clearly trying to win the votes by just going culture war after fucking culture war after fucking culture war. Um, primarily, at the moment, it's primarily against trans people, and then we have this. And to be really fucking current, we have the whole we have the monkeypox situation, which is. Oh god! Which yeah. is slowly turning into essentially game by panic so fucking quickly, especially in the U.S. That it's ridiculous. Well, that yeah, I mean the, the, that newspaper. You know which one it is. I'm not going to accidentally mm-hmm. libel myself, but they th- that newspaper has already basically started saying, "Yeah, it's 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 gay people spreading it." Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is some. It's certainly a significant concern for gay and bi men if if you're a man who has sex with man and men then you vaccination is something you should look into but the kind of the, the way it's the gay panic tone of it not gay panic there's something else the panic that is clearly being ha, has the finger pointing towards yeah gay and bi men i mean it's eerily reminiscent for anyone who remembers the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's a song about how hatred breeds hatred, and asking why those who hate have blood on their hands when they were born their brothers' keepers, which is kind of what's happening with us right now, right? Yeah. And you say you say it's the trans community who are under a particular attack. That's in America. That is starting to move. Yes. Like there are now people openly just targeting any queer people, and targeting queer events and queer queer venues, and you know, in some cases, th- trying to provoke physical violence. Yeah, drag queen events, things like yeah, that. In particular, uh, I don't I don't know what it is about the far right and drag, but it really upsets them in a way that I. I it's clearly not rational. And it's like, you see it happen. You see people get angry about it, And it's so clear that what they're experiencing is nothing to do with rationality. They have just got, they've had the, the ick, right? They've just gone, <laughs> the same way some people have with spiders and other people have with like clowns and things. They've just <laughs> gone, and they've gone, that is evil and I must kill it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably because it's, it's just such a clear and outward and like flamboyant expression of queerness yeah but yes. it's transgressive to their understanding of the world yeah there's also another thing i think it's just because i have the lyrics up and i had not thought about this until basically just now so forgive me if this is a bit messy <laughs> um the the actual opener that like, you were born your brother's keeper can i see blood on your hands thing is also because of the that sibling association it's also made me think about the kind of determination to put a wedge in between the LGBT community, namely to separate yes. trans people. Yes. Um, no, I, I see yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Which is fucking grim. And it's one thing that, like, uh, I, it was quite early in the podcast's existence that I wanted to be really clear. We are not fucking going anywhere near that. That is not welcome yeah. here. Like it because just because it's so obvious that it's a deliberate and concerted attempt, and it's that it's so harmful and it's so based on lies and bollocks and fear mongering, and I we're not good. and it's working. That's the thing that's really pissing me off. And there's been a, a opinion poll done recently, and it's clear that the Overton window on trans rights has regressed, and that actually people saying that trans people are all terrifying is is working. And that it's it's why I was I want to be wanted to put out so clearly that we are not having anything to do with that. The LGBTQ plus community has to stand together, yeah, and all of us because it's horrible. To give another current example, I mean, the fact that in the UK right now the top two contenders to be the prime minister essentially are trying to go off the idea of let's bring Thatcherism back. Which, in some candidates' cases, has led to them going, Section 28 might be making a comeback, and you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. As someone who grew up under that, I will mm-hmm. agree that that was fucking shit, and caused loads of people real harm. And if you want an example of how Section 28 worked, I went to school with loads of gay people, and none of us knew each other. None of us came out at school. You didn't come out at school. Mm. You came out when you left. You went to university where they couldn't stop you and you were legally an adult and you could fuck whoever you wanted as long as they were a consenting adult and you could go to whatever bar you wanted and you could join the gay society and you could be as fucking mincy as you liked in public and or as butch as you like in public 
and no one could say anything or you and if they tried to harass you you could it was going to be very bad for them that's when you came out now kids come out in school and that's what section 20 getting rid of section 28 did is because kids could talk to their teachers about things that they didn't want to talk to about their to with their parents because funnily enough a lot of people don't want to talk to our parents about I about you know fancying people and you know sex because it's it's your parents it's kind it's of just a bit embarrassing yeah <laughs> and, and, and it's a good reason why we're not why biologically we're meant to find the idea of you know sex and our parents icky right that's there's it's some quite logical and reasonable reasons why that's not something that you're supposed to enjoy so of course you might think well like this this person seems to be sympathetic and i think i can trust them can i talk to them because i there was a couple of times i kind of tried to have that conversation with someone at school and they just they couldn't mm. because it was it was not just their job it was potentially a crime so that's what section 28 did and it really fucked people up and getting rid of it was great. It was a good move and it took Tony Blair long, fucking long enough. Mm -hmm. um, been in power for three years, Tony. Get on with it. Um, mind you, he was the best prime minister, if you ask some people. I met him once, actually. Mm. Um, and and he just fucked my life by introducing AS levels at a time that I got ill for a, a brief but critical window and meant that I had to resit the year because I wouldn't have been able to pass my AS levels, but if I hadn't introduced them, I wouldn't have had to do it and said so. Um, and then, uh, was kind of ignored, but anyway, <laughs> that was, that was, uh, that was also the day I met the queen, but you know, enough about that. Um, it's, I, it, that's a long story and it involves kind of saying a few things about my family that are probably were probably a bit private. Um, but moving back to the the kind of the the topic at hand, though, the other thing is I cannot turn on any media platform of any sort at the moment without seeing some anti-LGBT shit. Yeah, and yeah. the 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 latest one, by the way, is that um that I like some sports, right? And that it, it's been I've any time the news has been terrible, I've gone oh, let's see what's happening in in rugby. So it's, that's a break for that. And oh, there's some story about how how this union or that board says oh we're going to ban trans women from the sport, and you go oh fucking hell, give us a fucking break. I have seen recently that turfs have now moved on from chasing trans women out of sports to chasing cis women out of sports if they don't conform to their rigid idea of what a woman is and it's very noticeable that often the women that don't conform to their ideas of what a woman is are, n are not white and i'm just going i am i the only person who sees this yeah no it, no it's all types of bigotry go hand in fucking hand yeah mm -hmm. And ironically, one of those uh, cis women who is gay um, has been said, oh, that's clearly not a, not a lesbian because they're living as a man, clearly, because they're living as a lesbian. And you think, but, go, but aren't you the people that are supposed to be, say, we're sticking up for cis lesbians and all the... It's almost like that's bullshit. <laughs> yes, it's, it's almost like your utter bullshit is actually bullshit. Yeah, no, I agree with you that on the opening media and just constantly seeing something. There was a point a couple of weeks ago where 
I had to just mute the word trans on Twitter for a couple of days. Yeah. Which is ridiculous because I am trans. Yes. But I just couldn't, I just didn't want to see it. No, no, I don't blame you. It's it's just become, it's non-stop. It's kind of, it just feels at the moment like it's getting worse and that hatred is breeding more hatred and it's, it never stops with where they say they're concerned about. The legitimate concerns never stops with the thing they say they're concerned about. It always moves on to something else. There's always and another thing. And it like it, it's already gone from being about trans women to being about butch lesbians. Yeah. And you're going, well, who's next? You've already got. You've already made that leap. What's the next stage? And. I did pick this one as an option in the aftermath of Oslo, but at one stage I went, well, that's kind of moved on from that. Should we ditch it? And then everything that I fucking see in the media at the moment is about how either someone, how my friends are apparently dangerous or that I'm dangerous and that, you know, the existence of queer people is a threat and you go, well, it feels like things are getting a little bit worse. And that actually, by not standing up to hatred when we see it, hatred is breeding hatred. There's a, um, a, a West Wing episode, which is essentially about the death penalty, where one of the characters who's Jewish has um, a rabbi give him an uh, anti-capital punishment chat and, about, and to, does it by... Um, essentially giving a sermon i don't i'm sorry i don't know what the um jewish temple equivalent of sermon is so apologies for that um he's giving a sermon on why capital punishment is bad and his uh discussion with him afterwards where he's, he says yes that was directed at you toby uh is he says violence begets violence right. and it's the you know, one if you kill someone you create someone else who wants to kill you back because everyone's got it, you know, it's the thing, if you kill someone, it's not just that you're hurting them, you're also hurting their family, and their family now want vengeance on you, and all of a sudden you're in a Greek tragedy before you know it, right? And it's, it's amazing how insightful some of that stuff, shit was. And hatred is kind of, it's similar. Like, hatred makes hatred happen more. It's not just, if we, di- if we get rid of the thing that we don't like, then we'll be done. There's always a next thing. And it always makes things worse. And I, we kind of just need to stand up. That's it. It's it, people and allies. Now I say we. We're already doing it for God's sake. This yeah. This is our lives. Our allies need to, because there's an awful lot of allies who are really good, and there are some who are really fucking quiet. Yeah. And I really think that this is a time when we desperately need our allies to stand up and say, "I object to this. This is wrong." I'm against this hate. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. If you would like to have a slightly less miserable sort of thing on that ter- on that kind of front, yes, please, God. Um, <laughs> it was Brighton Trans Pride the other weekend, and there were lots of very loud allies there. You know, um, also lots of very loud trans people. Of course, it's disappointing that most media did not. Considered yeah. because of the fact that there were twenty thousand people there, but it was nice that there were, in fact, twenty thousand people there. 
Yeah, even in Brighton, that's quite a lot of people there, and particularly for specifically Trans Pride. That's probably twice as much as Trans Pride has had in previous years. Right. I think the people who are really like, I expect if you did, like, I've got friends who are trans. If like, if you genuinely have people dear to you who are trans, you probably know that this is something that you need to make your voice heard about. But I suspect there are a lot of people who would consider themselves allies who don't realise how difficult things are getting and about who don't realize how fast the Overton window is being shifted and that this kind of drip drip of stories about how you know ban here and and change this and and stop that and and all the shit is moving everything and how it's fucking exhausting if you're queer i mean it's exhausting for me and i'm not trans i can't imagine how exhausting it must be if you are trans charlie jump in if you'd like to to I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so ghastly. I think I think if you don't have close friends and family who are trans, you might not realise how much your voice is needed. And it is. Because the more people who stand up and say, we disagree with this shit, the better. Interestingly, there was um, a thing that to do with the... Um, Tory leadership elections, there was some stuff that came out about a focus group who were asked what they were. I think people who are broadly Brexity. I think they were primarily Tory voters, even. Yeah, they're yeah. definite Tory voters who are primarily Brexity who were asked how much they give a shit about trans issues, and the answer was not. It was, I can't put fuel in my car, I can't heat my house. It was very, this isn't relevant to my life. I don't. Yes need you to make that your big thing that you're going to run on. Yeah. yeah. So I th I think that as much as the Overton window is shifting, the number of people who really care passionately about this and think it's a priority is still an extreme. So I, I think it can easily be shifted back. What we need, though, is more people to stand up. Because it's the um, uh, evil triumphs when good men do nothing, right? And at the moment, what's happening is that too many good people are not saying, no, this is bullshit. Because if you look like th that fucking joke of an organization that says it's standing up for same sex attracted people, which already is like, you realize that's language of conversion therapy, mm. right? Um, they were trending on Twitter earlier and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And it was just okay. loads of, no, it was just loads of people saying that they sucked. Yeah. <laughs> they are a tiny organization. They're an absolute tiny little fringe of weird extremists. And yep. the, like the, the, that group, the, the ones who go with them, the ones who love them and think that they're brilliant and, and who are like really actively anti-trans, they're really small. It's not like there's this mass of people going around saying, we must destroy the existence of trans people. It's just the ones there are are really fucking extreme. Yeah. It's a very small minority who are really fucking loud. Yeah, loud and active and passionate. Like if the if all the people who are just like, hey, we this is not something you should be talking about, stood up and said, can you stop? We're, we're more interested in other things. And if all the people who think actually no, could you stop saying that you know all trans people are potential sex offenders and that we should ban them from bathrooms? That's fucking horrific. Um, if they stand up and say we're with you then a lot of this could shift back the other way just as fast and could shift really quickly, because it does. 
when people stand up and saying stop saying shit about my brother or or sister or daughter or whoever uh, or non-binary relative yeah what happens is things change really quickly and you saw how quickly the opinion went from being gay marriage is it a th- a th- an all marriages are gay. Um, all weddings are gay, sorry. They, they're all kind of completely <laughs> over the top and ridiculous and people cry. They're all gay. Uh, this, this dancing and ABBA, sorry. Um, as a, the opinion on same-sex marriage went from being, oh, should we, or is it too soon, or are things moving too fast, to suddenly no everyone's in favour of it, and the only people who aren't are considered a bit weird and strange. And things can move really quickly when people just say, I would like you to stop saying horrible things about my friends and family, please. Mm. It's why allies are so important is because the things can move so quickly that my head is still kind of spinning at how far we've come. And that has to, that has to be a thing that happens in all the parties, because even in the left parties, there are elements of people in those parties that Mm -hmm. are transphobic, etc. And that needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, there are. I'm, I don't want to get too. I certainly don't want to start advocating for political parties. There are some that I have seen be better than others. Yeah, that's that's what that's all I will say. I've seen some who've got it right and some who've got it wrong, and I I would really like the ones who've got it wrong to learn from the ones who got it right and see that the ones who got it right have not kind of been hammered at the ballot box for it, and that they can actually take a, a brave stand and do the right thing without suddenly being painted as like. Not in it, not interested in your causes or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. I guess what we're saying is hatred against LGBTQ plus people is bad and ends in very bleak places. And on that cheerful note, I think that is blood on your hands explained. Uh, we will have another camp classic for you next week when, and then there was silence by Blind Guardian will be radically changing the mood. That was going to be much more cheerful. <laughs> I hope it might just, it, it might just be Charlie and Matt saying, fuck off Tom, this <laughs> but uh, hopefully not. Uh, and we'll also be living after midnight as we explain why we view us police sitcom Brooklyn nine, nine differently because we're metalheads and one of the running gags, the show will finally get an origin story. We will also be in HGBs where we'll be chatting about music. We love uh, that though is all we have have for hbfm 86 although i say all we have this has ended up going on quite a long time i think we got on one at the end there um and i I think i went off on one about kundra matt and charlie thank you for bearing with me while i kind of ride my own like train (laughs) stream of consciousness (laughs) it's perfectly fine i love it until next week then uh, listen to see you space cowboy listen to red sun atacama listen to zetra listen to kundra and remember if we stand side by side it will get better. Goodbye. Bye-bye.